There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. As a guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days in the field. This show is about translating my hard-won experiences into tips and tactics that'll get you closer to your ultimate goal, success in the field. I'm Remy Warren. This is Cutting the Distance. Now picture this. You're bugling at a bull and he's all fired up. He calls back and everything you do is right. It seems like this bull is going to come right to where you want him to, right into bow range. But you're hunting in a fairly open area, and you just, for some reason, can't get this bull any closer than maybe that 100, 120-yard, maybe 150-yard mark. The bull just keeps hanging up out of range. What can you do, and why is that bull hanging up? You may not really be doing anything wrong. That bull is just as close as he needs to be and is letting his eyes do the rest of the walking. So on one hand, congrats, you tricked his ears and his nose as well. But how do you trick his eyes? This week, I'm going to break down the use of a cow elk decoy and how employing them adds success. But first, I want to share my favorite story of decoys and karma. This story takes place in New Mexico, and it was right when these decoys or elk decoys came out. And honestly, when I first saw them come out, I thought, yeah, this is definitely something that I'm going to be able to use effectively. Because there were so many times where I thought, if I just had something to show the elk, I could get them to come that further distance on those bulls that just kept hanging up. And so when they first came out, I I think it was a Montana elk decoy was the first one that I ended up buying. And I bought a couple of them before I headed down to New Mexico to guide. And a couple of the other guides had picked him up as well because it was like 
oh, these things are look pretty awesome. They're a little expensive, you know, on a guide salary, but I thought, man, I'm going to use the shit out of this. So I ended up getting two of them. And when I got down to where I was guiding in New Mexico, a couple of the other guides actually had them as well. In this particular place, we had this piece of private that we could hunt on. And this one week, it was actually a an early rifle hunt. So it was like the first week of October, somewhere in there in October. And the elk were still rutting. But it was just like this really hot week and they weren't making a lot of sound. And it was fairly difficult because there's a lot of timber around, a lot of oak brush and some real thick stuff. And then there was this one meadow, like pretty much across from where we were staying. And every freaking night, the elk were just getting in there and you could just hear them bugling, running around, doing their thing. You know, we could see them just after shooting time, come out into the meadow and start filing out and feeding out in this meadow. And it was really making me mad. I was thinking, man, there's got to be a way we can get these bulls to come out a little bit earlier. All we need is just a half hour, 10 minutes in some days. Like we just need them to come out earlier. So we got to talk and I started thinking, hey, why don't we pool all of our decoys together and I'll create like a miniature herd of elk out in this meadow. And then we'll set up and wait. Maybe that will draw them in because they're clearly hitting the edges of it, but they aren't coming out to where we can shoot. And we don't know exactly where they're going to come out at, but maybe just having some noise and then them seeing the decoys, will just draw them out sooner. So everyone's like, yeah, that's a great idea. So I grab everyone's decoys and I think we had like a do- half a dozen, maybe seven of them, something like that. We get out in the meadow like midday and we're just going to set up and I, I set up all the decoys and then I made a blind on the one corner. And, and the way this meadow was, is just like a mountain above it. This was down in the valley. And then there was fence on either side. So like barbed wire fence on one side, barbed wire fence on the other side. So it was kind of like a pasture, but it was just a natural meadow. And this particular area wasn't, you know, sometimes you hunt private land and it's just like really good and there's elk everywhere. This, this was just a lot of thick timber and there were a good amount of elk, but could be difficult to get the elk. So figured this would be a good setup where we could just hopefully draw one of these elk out before shooting time ended. So I built a blind on the one side out of some oak brush that I cut and we just had it all set up. And so I just start calling and about like maybe two hours before sundown, just start letting out a few bugles kind of back in the timber behind us. And then just some cow calls out in the direction of the meadow, hoping to maybe entice some eyes, maybe some elk cruising by or just let them know, Oh, there's some elk out here. So it's about, maybe an hour and a half before sundown, something like that. And there's a a road in the bottom and it actually went onto some public land, but like a ways down the road. And so we just, I see like this Jimmy just like driving down the road at about a hundred miles an hour. I'm like, whatever. And you know, we were a ways away. And so we're sitting there and I wasn't thinking anything of it. And now I'm like, okay, it's about that time when we should start seeing something. So I'm throwing out some more cow calls and you know, really getting into it and we're watching and glass and the timber and kind of back where I expected the elk to be, I'm glassing and I see some movement. I'm like, dude, there's some movement back there, but I was like, what the heck? And sure enough, this dude pops out like in the middle of our meadow. And I look, I'm like looking at him through the binoculars. I'm like, what the heck is going on? He's got like a face mask on and he's carrying like a Bushmaster AR like style 223. I, we stand up and we're like, hey, hey, dude, what's going on? And he's like a ways across the thing, like 400 yards, 300, 400 yards across the meadow. And he immediately realizes that the elk that 
we're out there. We're not actually elk. My summation is he was cruising down on the road, looks up, saw those decoys, and then decided that it was going to be a good idea to sneak in there. So he's got, I've got like my video camera too, because I had it all set up. So I zoom in and I'm filming this guy and he's got like, you know, he's full face masked up, definitely poacher parrying around. And he's, he definitely wasn't like the most agile dude either. So he's kind of a big guy. Now he, he knows that he's been caught and he's going to get out of there as fast as possible. So he goes back to the fence that he came through. And as he's scrambling to get over the fence, his leg gets hung up on the top strand of wire. So he's deciding he's going to go over it. And now his legs hung up on the top strand of wire as he's like straddling this fence. And then he falls because he's like hung up on it and he falls over. And as he falls, I don't know how it happened, but the fence catches like his pants in the crotch and rips like the entire ass out of his pants. And he's stuck on the fence, just struggling. And I've got this whole thing on video, just like watching. And we are just rolling. Like the karma just bit this dude. I could tell like through my binoculars, he's bleeding. Cause he's just like, he's just been completely stuck in this barbed wire fence, like a pretty large guy that was trying to jump, like pretty much jump this fence is now caught on this fence ass ripped out of his pants, leg in the air, just struggling. <laughs> and we are just rolling, laughing. They're so like, whatever. So we get back to camp that night and clearly no elk came in because we just had some guy like rock through our zone that wasn't supposed to be there and could have been like a kind of scary scenario, you know, and, and at this point, elk decoys were pretty new. So we get back to camp that night and we've got like, you know, every night everybody comes back in and is telling their stories and we just like played it off. Like, don't say anything about what we saw. We're just, you know, so everybody was really curious on how our first decoy session went and if it worked. So like, oh, how'd the decoys go? Everyone figured for sure. They're like, we didn't hear any shots. You know, I'm like, oh, you guys will never believe what we saw come in. Dude, they worked so freaking good. And, and everyone's super excited. Like, what? What'd you see? What'd you see? So we're like, okay. So I had the video teed up with the TV off and I had it all plugged into the TV and it was all ready and everyone's sitting around in the living room and I, we flipped the TV on, hit play and it's just this dude just splayed open and caught on this barbed wire fence struggling and flopping around and everybody is just rolling laughing. They're like, what the hell happened? Oh man. So of course we didn't get an elk that day. But that did not deter me from trying it again. So I guess it was the next day or maybe two days later. I'm like, all right, we're going to do this again. We learned our lesson, even though nobody should have been trespassing. There's a million no trespassing signs. You just, whatever. We just tucked him back on the other side where it's clearly invisible from anywhere that you could see and try it again. And sure enough, I start cow calling early. It's still quite a bit of daylight out, maybe an hour before sundown. A nice five-point bull walks to the fence. I can see him walking in the timber on the other side, stops, jumps the fence, starts walking in. He's walking right to those decoys. And then he kind of gets this look like, oh, what's that? Bobbing his head back and forth. And then he comes straight in. My hunter lines up, boom, shoots, and drops the bull. And that was the first time I successfully used elk decoys in bringing in an elk.
So before we get into the tips and before you jump all over me saying like, that's so stupid using an elk decoy during a rifle season. I know, you know, sometimes you're thinking, you know, we were in the middle of private land. There shouldn't, you know, you're kind of assuming that people will follow the rules, whatever. And we didn't realize that you could actually see them from anywhere else. We learned that and then altered our plan. They're pretty new then, but it was definitely legal to use the decoys during the rifle season then. That wasn't even a thing. I don't even know. Maybe there's places you can't use them now. We were in the middle of a large piece of private land. There shouldn't have been anyone there. And there shouldn't have been clearly, like it was very well marked. The person definitely knew they were breaking the law moving in on those elk, like especially the whole face mask and light caliber rifle lent me to believe that that's what was going on. It was, it was definitely a poacher. So, you know, that in mind, that was pretty much the only incident, bad incident that I've had with elk decoys and just so happened to be one of the first instances with them. But on the flip side, use some common sense when using them, you know, don't do something stupid. Oh, also here was another thing. There was no cow seasons in that area, just bulls only. So I was using cow decoys thinking, you know, that's a good indicator. No one can be shooting cows. Well, in this particular instance, it necessarily didn't work, but before I even talk about it, yes, use some common sense. Don't do something stupid. And also, if you're a hunter, make sure of your target. Like, you shouldn't be shooting at something that you don't know what it is. And he clearly figured out that they were decoys pretty damn quick. Like, it was, he didn't even have to throw his gun up on it. Uh, he didn't even have binoculars, but he realized like something was weird with the whole scenario. You could tell by the way he was moving and his whole posture and expression before I even had to make a noise. So, they should be fairly identifiable if they aren't elk, but every once in a while, you know, just use common sense. Whether you're the hunter that's not having a decoy and you just see elk or you are the one with the decoy, use some freaking common sense. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way that they should the entire season. 
Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. Now we can get into the awesome part, the tips. That was two minutes of me explaining safety, which I shouldn't have to do, but you know. So here's the breakdown of using elk decoys. I have three ways that I use them and think that they help really well. So in the, in the scenario that, that I set this whole thing up with, a lot of the time when you've got a bull elk that is being super active, he's bugling, he's responding to your bugles, uh, you see him come out and you're like, why is that bull hanging up at a certain distance? There's some times where you get these certain bulls that just, they hang up and it seems to just be like that just out of range or just out of being able to sneak in where there's too many cows, it's too open. And the thing that I factored in out of all those scenarios when that happens is he's either hung up because he has cows or he's hung up because it's open enough that he doesn't have to walk over there and see what's there. And if it, I was a real elk in a natural environment, you know, we would show ourselves to each other, yet I'm hiding and not coming to a vantage where I could see him. And he would expect another elk to do the same. So he's doing a check with his eyes and he says, hmm, that's not a threat or hmm, nothing interesting. I'm just going to keep calling from here. If that bull wants a piece of this, he's going to have to show himself and we're going to do this like gentlemen, we're going to duel. So that's where this visual aid comes in. Now, yeah, he's probably looking for a bull, but throwing out a cow as a visual aid is a good thing to say, oh, there are some elk over there. Hmm, maybe he's got one of my cows just behind that ridge. And I found that using that decoy as a visual aid in certain scenarios works really well to get those bulls that just happen to be hanging up. And it works really well in open country or where it's like sparse enough timber. I've, I've used them in pondo forests where it's just uh, not a lot of thick canopy. The elk doesn't really have to get close to see what's going on. And there's a lot of places where there's a lot of elk like that. And the challenge in calling them in is the fact that they can see a little bit further than maybe something in some dark timber. So having that visual aid can work really well, but you just have to know how to use the decoy right. And I've messed around with them long enough and in as many different creative ways as possible to know what works and what doesn't. What doesn't work is walking behind the decoy and using that to block your silhouette in like a direct way that the elk can see you because for the most part, the cadence isn't right. Something's off and it generally doesn't work. I have used it in times where I need to move, but I want to, I'm like in enough timber where it's not direct, but I'm just kind of holding it and carrying it, but not trying to stalk behind it. Stalking behind it for me personally hasn't really worked too well. I have used it to draw behind. I've used it also as kind of a blind in the open when I get a bull fired up, but 
for some reason, stalking behind it doesn't necessarily seem to work that well. What does work is a system kind of like you would do for geese flagging. So what I like to do is in this particular scenario, I've got a bowl that's hanging up. It's open enough. Maybe there's a roll or a contour. What I'll do is I'll throw that cow elk decoy up while that bull's looking away, sees it. I'll be hidden. I'll be doing my calling. Then when that bull looks away or whatever, I will move that elk decoy down and then continue the calling. So he kind of has this thought in his head, like I saw something It was supposed to come my direction, come to me, yet now it's disappeared. Where is it? And that curiosity, I've drawn in a lot of bulls. Now, another setup that I've used decoys with a lot of success is actually kind of a a play on that first scenario of in the meadow, like creating this visual aid in a very open space where I'm planning on ambushing an elk. And over the years, I've honed that to get a little bit better at understanding how to set the decoys, where to set them. But it's worked pretty well as far as getting elk to draw to your location. And that that tactic works a lot um, in later or as well as like pre-rut. When you don't have a lot of calling activity, maybe the elk are going to be kind of quiet, but you can spot them. However, you can't spot them during enough time to make a stock or it's too open to make a really good stock. So what I generally do is in those scenarios, maybe the elk aren't making a lot of noise where you're at, but you can spot them and you've just got, you're spotting them in a meadow. Let's say a meadow that's 500, 700 yards wide or long. And those elk can pop out in multiple places from the timber. They aren't calling, but every day they're just happen to be feeding. So what I like to do is I'll be glassing in the morning I'll glass those open feeding areas, or maybe it's in an area where you can't glass, but you've got these these meadows or parks or whatever, and you see the elk coming out. They're coming out quiet. You know, how do you get them to your location or set up in the right spot? So what I'll do is I'll figure out where they were in the morning. I'll watch, and then I'll go and set up a blind very close to where they went out, kind of set up just off of that, and then set those decoys just off the edge of me. So what I'm planning on doing is when those elk come out, the first thing they do is they look around, they see there's other elk out there, it immediately drops their guard. Now they might be more like keyed in on those elk, but in combination with that calling, it draws them to your location. And I've had a success doing that where I've spotted the elk in the morning. I go in there midday, get set up, throw out some calls, just like I did in the story. And then as those elk come out to feed in the evening, it draws them to my location. The only thing that sometimes doesn't work as well with that is if there's a lot of cows, it will draw that lead cow often first. But there's many times where I've had it happen. I mean, I try to set it up in a visual spot. I could even do it across from where the elk were. And I've had the elk come out, cows and bull. And then that bull will just kind of see those cows and go like, oh, fresh meat and then go down there and check it out, boom, bow range. And so that's a really good way to draw an elk to your position using those decoys. They kind of walk in a little weird to them because they aren't moving, but you can throw out some cow sounds. You can even bugle back into the timber behind you. And that sometimes incites that bull to bugle and then come in and check it out. And he'll generally try to circle them. So when I set up that scenario, I try to set up Obviously, I'm downwind, and you want to be downwind of where you think those elk are going to come out, and then try to anticipate how that elk's going to circle and try to intercept that elk as he circles for a shot. So one of the ways that I do that is like I'll set those decoys out, and then I might be up like in the middle of the meadow more 
hiding or in some way where that bull might kind of circle, but he's fixated on those decoys and that draws his attention where I have enough timing to get up, aim and shoot. And so that's just another way that you can use them. And then probably the third way and the way that I use it the most is when I'm hunting by myself. So I do a lot of elk hunting by myself, a lot of elk calling by myself solo. Honestly, I would say calling elk when you're by yourself or if you aren't going to stalk is a lot more difficult than if you have someone calling or you're calling for someone else. And the reason is because elk do tend to hang up at a certain distance because there's this natural expectation that two bulls should collide. And so if you have a guy that can draw back and then the shooters forward, you're cutting off 20 yards or more of that expectation of that other bull. And as he comes in, he's more looking for that other elk and not necessarily focused on where the shooter is. So you got more opportunity to draw back, to be unseen and to have a good shot where if you're the one calling, he can kind of pinpoint that. And so hunting alone can be difficult and adds this little extra layer of challenge that for a long time for me was hard to figure out how to kind of counteract that. And over the years, I've, I've really developed a lot of different techniques, which maybe some of those will be a different podcast, but using a decoy is definitely one of them. And the reason that is, is because it fixates the bull's point of attention, as well as gives it a visual cue of something to focus in on. So I'll set up how I would, I'll call, I'll do my calls like back, I'll set the decoy up, and then I'll move forward into a position where I think the bull is going to come, I think he's going to see that cow decoy, and then I'm in a position where I can either draw and shoot where I expect him to be more unnoticed, or it'll draw him in a good line to where he's going to move into a a shooting lane for me. So it's a way to kind of help control the bull, add a visual aid and distract from you that is the caller slash shooter and lead to a little bit more success that way. When I am using a decoy by myself, I generally don't like to use the stakes as often. I've actually um, used like clips or punch a hole in one end. I actually think they make some stuff now for this because people have been using this technique for a while, but I have a lot of my decoys, I'll tie paracord on it. And if I'm in a timbered area, I just hang it on a tree. So I don't have to waste that time trying to get those stakes into the ground if I'm in a timbered area and then I'll keep the stakes in my backpack or whatever. As I'm moving in as well, I kind of use it as a sort of a shield where if a cow's there, I might be able to kind of confuse the cow of, oh, that's just an elk, mew, mew, throw out some calls and then get out of sight or hunker down or do something where if I get caught moving in, because I found that when you're by yourself, the closer you get to that bull, the more likely you're going to be to get him to come into your setup. And that that really is anybody, whether you're by yourself or not. That's just my strategy. But having that decoy as a sort of a shield really helps. Now, a couple of things you want to be careful of, you know, if you're using as a shield, just make sure you aren't like rocking up on some other dude that's calling at you. Also, another thing to think about is just as you're moving, you know, I kind of like to have my hands free where I can glass and be ready on the bow and other things. So sometimes just having that decoy available and out in front of you can be difficult to maneuver with, but it's definitely worth it to add that extra point of attention to draw that bull to your location and give him a visual aid, especially in more open country. I really hope that this kind of deep dive into some aspects of elk hunting 
helps you out this September, or at least gets your mind thinking on things you can use, things you can utilize. There's so many different strategies, and all those strategies can be employed super effectively in the right scenarios. And just what I want to do is build out this library of understanding these different scenarios and then how to essentially strike from there. And the more you can grasp that and know what moves to make when, I promise you, you're going to be a lot more successful. You'll, I mean, it's like a broken record saying probably 10% of the guys take 90% of the elk every year. It's just that the same guys who understand elk behavior and understand what moves to make, elk hunting can be extremely easy. For people new getting into it, it can be extremely difficult. You know, I've read so many statistics of for most people, just to shoot an elk, it takes five to seven years. And that's because that's that learning curve. And then they get in there and it's like, okay, it took them seven years to get their first elk. And now they're shooting elk every year. But what I want to do is I want to cut that learning curve time down to listening to this, understanding and taking so many years of just elk experience into the field with you. You could be successful in your first year and every year with just that knowledge and that learning gap decreased. So I really hope that this helps you. And if you haven't elk hunted yet, you know, keep thinking these things. So we're going to keep building this out. I'm going to go back and we're just going to compile like some of my favorite tips of things that I think you should think about as it now rolls over into September, you should be gearing up, getting everything ready. And I just want a few of these other tips at the top of your mind, because really I could pin down a thousand elk tactics and how to operate each one. And over the course of the life of this podcast, hopefully we can build that out. So I hope you've enjoyed it. As a reminder, if you are going out hunting or you like these tips or whatever, seriously tag me in social media and other things. I I love seeing that. I mean, I've gotten some pretty awesome success photos from people, early season archery, talking about specific episodes that they, I mean, so many people brand new to mule deer archery hunting have been sending me pictures of some awesome bucks they've taken just with some of the tactics that they've learned through this podcast. That's some of my favorite stuff to see. So please send those out. I'd love to share those and tag you back in them or whatever. So I really appreciate that. And then thank you guys so much for the comments and the good ratings. You know, if you don't subscribe or have friends that you're hunting with or know people that would like this podcast, share the knowledge, man. It's like, might as well have everybody in your crew understanding what you know and and helping them kind of cut the distance of the learning curve as well. So if you could share these, that would be great. I really appreciate it. I hope you've enjoyed it. Feel free to shoot me a message either at Remy Warren on Instagram or Remy at TheMediator.com. I want to get into a few question and answers here coming up. And then good luck this September. I hope that you can take all this stuff you've learned and be successful. I actually know that you will be. So congratulations on your success preemptively. Until next week, don't go chasing elk decoys. Stick to the live elk that you're used to. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. 
Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit markethouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. 